welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positive with you radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mon, it's Mon, good morning. Mon, you know the thing that I love about having you in the studio? Yeah. Is sitting here getting ready to do the introduction and watching you run through the door. <laughs> Nothing has changed. <laughs> this is hey, my favourite memories of Mon. If it wasn't for the last minute, nothing would get done. <laughs> I like to live life on the edge, Lyle, what can I say? <laughs> Uh, Mon, what, what, what are you thankful for this morning? Oh, Lyle, I wish it was tomorrow. If you were asking me this tomorrow, I would tell you the best story ever. But because it's today, you're going to have to wait. In fact, you know what? Tomorrow you should call me okay. for this segment and I'll tell you what happens you could come this in. afternoon. Oh, do you need someone to come in tomorrow? I have no idea. I could. <laughs> I could show you in person what I'm really grateful for. But yeah, it's a bit of a secret, a bit of a surprise. Something big is happening for me personally today. Um but I, I can't tell you, just in case it doesn't happen. Um, but I could show you so tomorrow. It so. might be happening. Yeah, it might not I'm be so happening. excited. <laughs> but other than that, I'm actually really grateful because it's my father's 71st birthday today as well. Aww. So, yeah, happy birthday, Papa. Yeah, happy birthday, Reinhardt. We are so thankful that you've made it in another year, 71. Yeah, yeah. Number. What are you grateful for? Ooh, let me think. What am I grateful for this morning? I'm grateful that um, – well, I'm grateful that the weather is cooling off. Yeah, same. Same. Only, only 21 today in Sydney, so. Because I've got some gas heaters to sell. <laughs> Lyle, such a hustler. <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're about to get into our quiz question, our first quiz question that Monica is going to bring to us. So, yep, Mon, pentathlon our- quiz worth 100 points. Here we go. What two words follow Jesus' statement, I am the bread, blank, blank? Okay, what two words follow that statement, I am the bread? Blankety blanks. All right, number to call is? Uh, yeah, it's uh, 0491064669. You should know this. You should know this number, Mon. It should be I, seared I mean, into your brain from all of The confusion is there's now a new sign in the studio and the sign has three different numbers on it and I'm like, I have to read them all to figure out what's going on. This is why This is why I highlighted our number with green. Bless, but any, any other show could have been highlighting numbers. So. Okay, and, and for that one, of course, you get a bumper sticker. I see you've got a bumper sticker. Sitting I nabbed your- one. Sitting in your in your uh, purse right there, yes, ready to yeah. go. So. I actually I dialed ahead, like putting in like a food order. I was like, can I please get a bumper sticker ready to go? <laughs> this is for your coaster bus? Yes, for Midi, or my little bus uh, bus. So yes, yes, going to yes. stick, stick it on the back. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm like, my sticker collection is growing. I didn't think I'd be so cheesy as to have like stickers from where I went on the back of my bus, but it turns out I am that tourist. <laughs> <laughs> it is absolutely yeah, happening. Yeah. <laughs> For a long time I wrestled with, should I put it on the inside of the door so I look a little bit classy? But then I was like, nah, I'm going all the way out. <laughs> <laughs> nice, why not? Yeah. Have a brag. <laughs> Let people know that you're out there living the life. Mon, what's happening in the world of positively different oh, news? I have such a cool news. I love news stories about finding treasure. I think we all kind of wish we could find treasure. Because it sounds so easy, right? You just have to stumble across it. I went treasure hunting a couple of weeks ago. That's right, because Grandpa, your father-in-law, was here. And he and I had a road trip together, and we discussed finding treasure as well. Yes. And he said that you guys went treasure hunting. We did. Did you find anything? We found pieces of uh, fencing wire. We found (laughs) um, rusty nails. (laughs) And half a bolt. Well, uh, you are just rolling in riches right now. Aren't oh, you? If I was going into the uh, scrap scrap uh, iron oxide business, 
yeah. You're just dripping cash. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, I don't think there's a big market for it. Well, I, I currently manage an op shop, and I have to tell you that even if you donated those items, I'd probably turf them in. Yeah, no, no, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure I don't know if I can even sell them for you. Yeah, one inch long, one inch long pieces of uh, fencing wire. They've got to be used for that somewhere. Well, this is an incredible story for a lucky detectorist um, who went last summer um, with his gold detector on farmland in Rushcliffe, Nottinghamshire. Nottinghamshire. Mm. And guess what he found? Mm-mm. He found a 350-year-old ring belonging to the Sheriff of Nottingham. Oh, no way. <laughs> it's like, it's like, he's like, it's seriously worthy of Robin Hood. Like the actual Sheriff of Nottingham is so cool. 350 years old. They're actually going to set it up um, for auction, so it's going to be just going gangbusters. Because you can imagine all like, the Robin Hood fans. Like, Robin Hood is, a, is not a real person, but the Sheriff... Robert, Robert in the Wood. Yeah, the Sheriff of Nottingham certainly is. Um, so the treasure once belonged to Sir Matthew Jennison, who served as High Sheriff of Nottingham between 1683 and 1684. Just, you know, like... Well, that post-dates three- post Robin Hood. Yeah, just 300 right. years before I was born. And um, and this person, uh, Sir Matthew Jennison, the, the Sheriff of Nottingham, he looked after the trees in Sherwood Forest, which I, I never really thought about what it is the Sheriff of Nottingham did, but that's what he did. He was like... A, a tree steward. Um, his family were known for gleaning wealth from a hoard of valuables left in their safekeeping during the English Civil War, which were never reclaimed. Ooh. Ooh. Where's the rest of the hoard? Yeah. Well, wouldn't you just get the guilt? Like, this is somebody else's stuff and you've just, like, they've left it with you? I would be too guilty to spend that, I think. Anyway, the ring, it displays the coat of arms of the Jennison family. Um, it was sent to be in examined by experts from the British Museum's Portable Antiquities Scheme, and it was verified as authentic and then sent back to the finder, who is now set to make a good amount of money from his incredible discovery. They're expecting it will get um, an absolute bare minimum of at least 10500 um, but they're expecting it'll probably go up into the millions. If you're keen... There's uh, a big difference between ten and a half thousand yeah, and yeah. a million. I think dollars. that's probably like the gold worth. That's probably how much gold is worth. But right. add the historical element, and there's like so much more. Yes. But um, it's going under the hammer if you're keen at Hanson's auctioneers. And um, <laughs> yeah, if you got a spare cool million hanging around, you could get one of the legendary rings. Um, they said it was described as the legendary outlaw Robin Hood would have loved to have stolen this ring. <laughs> I'm sure he would have. Maybe he did. Maybe that's how it ended up in the bush. Yeah, apparently it's in, in near perfect condition. So yeah, which is incredible. Um, yeah, so it's got. Oh, by the way, the the Jennison family arms is also really pretty. You should have a look at it online. But it has two swans separated by a diagonal bend. So it's actually really pretty. And it was used like to press into like melted wax in order to like seal family crest on like, important letters and documents. So yeah, really cool, really cool piece of history there. Um, that's my part of the world up there. That's where the uh, yeah. South the Southwell name comes from. Oh really? Yeah. Oh really? Oh, maybe you should bid for this while. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> actually, the guy, uh, so Matthew Jennison, um, he was elected to Parliament as MP in Newark in 1907, but eventually fell foul of the law. And he died in the Fleet Prison in 1734. So maybe you guys are like related in that sort of. Because isn't your. It'd be fam- 1607, not 1907. Sorry, I meant 1730. What did I say? You 1701 said- to 1734 okay. is when he died. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But um, his family first appeared in the family tree in. Uh, sorry, in Nottingham. In the, uh, in the Alderman of Newark in 1580. So a lot of history in this ring. Um, and, you know, his generation served as mayors and all kinds of sort of political 
um, yeah, people. Anyway, moving on from that, uh, Lyle, cooking oil. You don't do much cooking, do you? No. But no. recently, after having called Thailand's 15 years of service, Airbus A380 has just completed. You know how they're like kind of going down? Mm. They've actually decided to do like a U-turn and try something new, and they've just completed some trial flights powered by cooking oil. Oh, nice. Yeah. How good is that? Good old biodiesel. Bio yeah, and this is great news, to be honest, because it's time that we stopped eating uh, deep-fried foods because those, uh, those LDL fats are really bad for us. So if we could just, you know... Run it through the jet engines instead. Yeah, exactly. Just round up all the chip shop oils <laughs> and uh, take them off to the airport and, uh, and get them to power an Airbus, which is the largest passenger jet in the world. It's, um, you know, it's a double-decker behemoth, and this one in particular flew a three-hour intra-French test flight on sustainable aviation fuel, or SAF for short, as it's being called. It's hydro-processed esters and fatty acids. Is a key ingredient. Um, it's definitely not what your doctor would label as healthy cooking oil, that's for sure. Um, but you can actually power – it has a Rolls-Royce Trench 900 engine on board. You know what that is? Yes. Yeah. It's a Rolls-Royce Trench 900 engine. <laughs> you just told me what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, but this is a great move forward because I feel like we have an excess of disgusting um, cooking oils and we could definitely I wonder whether I wonder whether it smells like potato chips when it takes off. <laughs> It's going to be like a new thing, like the generations are coming, but like every time I get in a plane, I feel like having French fries. It's like all my friends that ran biodiesel back when biodiesel was a big thing and all their vehicles just smelt like a, the local chip shop. Really? Yeah, absolutely. That's hilarious. Well, that's a step up because oil stinks. Like usually like, the chop shops like smell really bad, but a chip shop, a chop shop that smells like a chip shop is definitely a step up. Oh, there you go. I like it, like it. I like it. Anyway, <laughs> anyway one more good news story. Uh, incredible story of bravery. A woman has saved hundreds of lives in India. Uh, she spotted that the train tracks near her house were broken and she knew a train was coming through and so she ran towards the oncoming train um, and gra she grabbed a, a red sari. You know, sari is like a big piece of fabric and they wrap it around themselves very beautifully. Um, so she grabbed a red sari and she was waving it in front of her, like kind of like a, a matador with a bull and waving it to catch the, the approaching train's attention so that they could stop because had they gone over that, because it's like a, it wasn't just a little nick in the, like the track, the track was, was fully, really yeah, washed out or something. Yeah, they, they would have, they would have passed away. It would, been, it would have been another one of those Indian train disasters. Yep. Um, but the, the driver actually stopped, uh, saw the woman and stopped and was able to actually stop in the nick of time. Cause you know how they, they have a long braking, um, uh, yes, it takes trains. a long time to slow a yeah. train down. So she had like, praise the Lord, this woman knew that cause she like, she had to run, not only did she wave it down, but she had to run quite away because she knew, if I stand here where the break is and wave my sari, that it's not going to happen. So yep. she had to like run and run and run. Um, and she managed to stop the, dr the train that goes past almost every day. Um, yeah, she said uh, she happened, just happened to stumble, stumble upon it when she was taking a walk out the back of her property. She realized this could result in a massive tragedy. Um, and she'd heard that red stands for danger. Yes. And so she grabbed her sari. And, uh, and started running towards where she knew the train would be coming from. The driver offered her 100 rupees, but she turned it down. Um, he said that he, they insisted that she keep the money, so she ended up taking the money, which is great because, you know what, good work would have been rewarded. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so plenty of good news coming out of the world today. It's there if you find, if you look for it. I think people are always saying there's lots of negativity, but you know what, just have a little look around. There's lots of positive things happening, people doing great things. Cheer yourself up and have a little look. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different.
It is The Breakfast Show, and Mon is about to bring you the 200-point question for the quiz. Get ready to call or text your answer through to 0491-064-669. Go for it, Mon. What trouble making religious leaders, <clears throat> excuse me, accusing Jesus of casting out demons by the prince of demons had their thoughts read by Jesus? What troublemaking religious leaders... <clears throat> can't believe it cleared my throat the same spot again. <laughs> Accusing Jesus of casting out demons by the Prince of Demons had their thoughts read by Jesus. Oh, right. 0491064669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer for your copy of Back Issue of Science magazine. Very nice. Anyway. Let's talk about some more serious news this morning. And ooh, where should we start? Let's start with this story right here. Uh, the Northern Territory uh, Gender Equality Plan has just been handed down. Um, and unfortunately, it supports radical gender ideology. Uh, it gives no protection to women and girls, particularly uh, in relationship to their sports and their safe places. And so this is what we're seeing happening around our world. And you would just expect that, you know, in a place like the Northern Territory, where the plan actually open, openly acknowledges that the Northern Territory has the highest rates of domestic and sexual violence in Australia and that disproportionately affects women and girls, that they would actually do something to protect women and girls and to protect women and girls' safe places, uh, their sports, particularly contact sports, etc. But, of course, in today's woke world, none of that. It's amazing to me how... You know, when you see all of this insanity in our world, and the average person out there knows that this is just insane, mm. uh, that when you look at the biblical model, which has been around for thousands of years, it provides all of the protections for women and girls. It provides gender, uh, you know, a, a, a division between the genders so that everybody can understand where they fit in to society and everybody is protected. I don't understand why this is like why people are doing it because you know when I'm on social media and I see posts about this kind of stuff I always read the comments to find out what the general feel is from you know the actual public and all of them just like like you said they have the common sense yeah. and they think it's ridiculous and they think it's completely unfair especially when men compete in women's A categories. 3 year old knows the difference. Yeah, and I don't understand like who who is like who are they doing it for? Like the public certainly doesn't want it. Okay, so talking about the public not wanting it, one of the things uh, that I've been sort of campaigning on here is that uh, for you know women who are complaining about this, when they compete against biological men, they are actually enabling biological men by doing so. Mm. And so the easy way to stop it is to say, we're not going to do so. And that happened in the UK just recently. Zach Bridges, uh, who now identifies as a female, was barred from a women's cycling event. Uh, this was the British National Omnius uh, Championship uh, when the women refused to race against him. Yeah, amen. They just stood up and like, nope, not going to yeah, happen. That's ex every time I've seen something like that happen, I've always thought to myself, why don't the women just say, nah, I'm not doing it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if the women don't, if the women get together and say, no, we're not going to have this, then there is going to be no event and the problem is solved that easily. And that's what they did. There were several British Olympians who were racing in this event. And what you've got here is a guy who set you know, a junior men's record over the 25 miles um, back in 2018. So that's, mm -hmm. what, six years ago? And so in the last six years ago, you've got declining ability. Um, you've got no significant wins or anything like that. So what do you do? Well, you flip over to the women's sport and try and compete there. Well, you didn't get to do, the, do so this time. I just I don't understand how men can just live with themselves being like, oh, I'll just go compete against a, a weaker sex in terms of, like, sports capacity. I just, 
Like, how do you think it's a very a strange mindset? Yeah, but you'd have to have a well, uh, yeah, it's just a very strange mindset. I, I, I don't understand it either. Anyway, so there is um, one small ray of light, and it does show that there is a solution to this particular problem. Uh, let me see, what should we talk about? Should we talk about happiness next? Yeah, please. Yeah. Okay, so this is coming from uh, New Jersey University. You can now do a degree in happiness. Oh, sorry, I have a to leave master- everyone. I'm moving to New Jersey right now. Bye. <laughs> a Master of Arts in Happiness. Uh, you can you can go and do this uh, particular degree. It'll cost you $17,700. Oof. Okay, so... To be um, happy? <laughs> well, the thing is, I thought, Mon, you know, right here on The Breakfast Show, we could save people $17,700. <laughs> well, they could send it to us and we can make them happy. <laughs> Well, well, I was going to say we can we can we can solve it right here. You know, give us a call zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, or shoot us a text message. We will send you a happiness digest. Oh yeah, we will. Problem solved. Yeah, a hundred percent. Do you, it. You don't have to do a degree. Yeah. we'll save you that seventeen large. That's a great solution. I love it. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is my strength in Isaiah, in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. And in Psalms chapter 16 and verse 11, this Bible says, Come into God's presence and you will have joy. Amen. There you go. Just saved you seven and a half grand. Do you know what's on the curriculum for this course? No or? idea. I, wow. I, I, I know what the curriculum for happiness is. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's in my Bible. Yeah, amen. It's in your Bible. Amen. You can go and find it there. It's been there for a long time. It's not time. expensive. It's, yeah. We give it to you for free. Yeah. It's how generous we are here on The Breakfast Show. You don't have to go to the uh, University of New Jersey and do a Master of Arts. But anyway, uh, for those of you who do want to spend the money, I uh, hope and pray that it makes you I'm so intrigued as to what they actually teach. Happy. Yeah, I really hope it's not some sort of like self-love stuff because... Yeah, you kind of know it's going to yeah, be danger. Yeah, happiness is more when you help others, I think. That's right. Yeah. Happiness is the joy of the Lord is my strength and when we come into the presence of God, you will have joy. The Bible says, that's how where the Bible says that happiness comes from. Anyway, um, let's move over to from New Jersey, uh, head a little bit north to Massachusetts and the Massachusetts state has just blocked a school from opening. Um, this is the Real Life Learning Center, which was a which is a school that uh, one of the churches there, the Real Life Church, built, uh, catering from uh, kindergarten to year eight. Now, Massachusetts law has an interesting thing, where all the private schools um, have to give approval um, through the local public school have to receive approval from the local public school district to open. Okay, which is. I don't really understand how or why that works, but that's that's Massachusetts law. That's how it actually happens. Okay, so fair enough. Maybe maybe they think that there is too many schools or something rather, and so this school should not open or whatever. Maybe there are you know reasons why they're going to get together and say no, we don't want another school here. I don't know why you would stop. Why it would have to be approved by the local public school district? There is a thing called. Um, you know, supply and demand, which mm-hmm. pretty much just even things out. That's that's capitalism. It's how it works. Yeah, especially if you look at the perspective that education is to a lot of degree business. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, this is the Somerville, Somerville Public School Committee. Uh, it's made up of seven elected members plus the mayor and the city council president. And they have stated that the Real Life Learning Centre, kindergarten to year eight, does not meet the criteria for approval because of their teaching in their curriculum on biblical sexuality and creationism. Oh, of course. 
Oh, of course. That was pretty predictable. Of course, in the United States, you can get away with that in Australia easy, but in the United States, that's a violation of both Massachusetts state law and the United States Constitution. Yeah. You cannot close down a school because you don't like their religious beliefs. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, you've got the United States is supposed to be that country where you have the right to practice your religious beliefs and so, yeah, of course, it's going to work its way through this, through the, uh, yeah, through the, the court system. Run. And they will probably win in the court system. But the, pra- the tragedy about this is that even if you get a win in the court system, you're still being punished by the system. Yeah, that's right. You know, you're going to be a year, two years down the track before you can open. It's going to cost you a bucket of money in legal fees that you're going to have to use to fight this through. And it's going to create a tremendous amount of stress. I mean, how many times have we seen, you know, relationships break down, churches fall apart, marriages fall apart because of a lawsuit and the stress that a lawsuit brings? And it's also going to signal to other people that they could, you know, have a crack at trying to close down something they don't believe in either. Absolutely. And I would say that this is the strategy of the uh, Summerfield District is mm. they know they can't win this. Mm-hmm. They're just like, yeah, we're just going to, we're just going to. There should be a law against doing that strategy. Well, there probably is to some extent, and there may be further legal recourse once this court case is won. Mm -hmm. But once again, it's the system, and the system is punishing you for year after year after year with all of that stress. That kindergarten or whatever it is, they just need to do some fundraising. K to year eight. K to year eight. They should do some fundraising because I'm sure there's a lot of people around the world who'd be happy to support Lend the money to pay off. Absolutely. They could probably come out well and truly in the black. They put that Mm. thing up on. on a uh, crowdfunding a, website, as long as the crowdfunding website doesn't pull them down because they've been known to do that as well. Oh, yes, mm-hmm. very much so. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is The Breakfast Show, and we're going to have the 300-point question for our pentathlon quiz. Monica, go for it. What would King Xerxes hold out to show favour to the people that pleased him? And it's a physical thing because I literally thought he was like holding out on something. But it just, he's like, what would King Xerxes hold out physically to show favour to the people that pleased him? All right. If you know the answer, the number to call is? 0491064669. Yes. And I believe you are winning a pocket sermon. Absolutely. If you say so, Lot. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, <laughs> but I'm kidding. Yeah, I think the 300-pointer is a pocket sermon, so give us a call right now on 0491 or anything else that you'd like to comment on. If you'd like to comment on some of the stories that we've been covering, covering this morning, uh, have your say, then do give us a call or uh, even send a question through for David Haupt, who is joining us now. David, uh, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lyle and Monica. Good to be back with you people. David, it's going to uh, it's going to be your last one of these for um, a number of weeks, and we just want to say that we're all going to be praying for you. I understand that you're having surgery this Friday. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, it's the third time for the same uh, same issue, and uh, each time more invasive and more painful. But I appreciate your prayers. My my life is in God's hands, and um, I'm at peace with whatever the outcome is going to be. And we can praise the Lord that you are at peace there, David. And I just want to encourage all of our listeners, uh, if you've, if you've, you know, we've all appreciated what David has had mm. to share over the years that he's been here, just regularly, faithfully, every Wednesday, coming on, uh, presenting invaluable information and encouraging all of us. Um, now's our time to give something back to David and to be praying for him as he has this, uh, this really painful 
and awful uh, surgery that he needs to uh, undergo this Friday. So please be keeping David in your prayers at this time. David, what are we talking about today? Well, we are in, you know, in early uh, April. Uh, and by now, all our New Year resolutions that we've made in the beginning of the year, most probably the majority of them have already been forgotten. We uh, attempt at the beginning of the year to make New Year's re- resolutions to, to change our life, to change the direction that we move. And the struggle is the maintenance of it. How do we get to that point where we actually change behavior? And uh, so often when we fall back, we we start off well with great motivation and intention. But within a few short weeks, we uh, have regressed and we are right back. So the question that I'd like to pose this morning is the question of how do we actually make life changes that are lasting? Is there a strategy in it? And uh, are there certain steps that we need to take in order to get to to actually fulfill that goal that we want? Is there something scientifically that has to do with, um, you know, building new neural pathways? Yeah, and it's one of those things that, you know, I guess I counsel and probably you as well, uh, you know, young people that are preparing for marriage and so forth is that, you know, you marry the person that you're going out with, not the person that you want that person to become because we tell everybody people don't change. But the reality is that yes, change is possible. So it's difficult. You just don't you just don't count on it in a relationship. But change is possible. How do we? What are some of the keys? Run us through some of the keys to making um, permanent lifestyle change. Lol, just just before I go there, um, we so often want to work on the change of other people. There's there's something that our listeners need to realise. The only person I can change myself. And there are four basic steps of change. Let's imagine this morning that I have a chocolate addiction. I don't have. I've got more a salty tooth than a, a sweet tooth. But let's say that I put in fuel into my car and I step up to to go and pay for it. And right there in front of me is what? Chocolate. A whole, a whole counter of chocolates. And the first step is that I am unconscious incompetent for change. I don't even consider change. I just say to the attendant, bump four, please, and two of these chocolates as well. By the way, I'm going to get six cents off per liter that I'm going to put in. That is the first point that I actually need to realize is that I'm unconscious, incompetent, or incompetent of any change. Where I want to take, take it the next level is where I now, after realizing, you know, standing on the scale, I see the weight piling up, or I've attended the lecture, I've made a New Year's resolution that I actually want to curb that, I become conscious but still incompetent. So Mm. I stand, putting fuel in, I come to the counter, and there's all the chocolates, and I know that I shouldn't. But as it comes to my turn to pay, what do I do? I step up and I say, pump four, please, the diesel, and yes, two of these, because I'm going to get some uh, some fuel cheaper. Uh, it's very interesting. Every time that I would actually give in to that, I've discovered I never pay less. Uh, the, the price is all, always more than what I had on, 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 on the Belder. Yes, the, um, the company always wins in these situations. Exactly. And... 
as I work on that, there is slips back, but I've, I've become more conscious, although incompetent. I reach eventually the point where I become conscious, competent, where in other words, I come up to the counter and is it a picnic? Oh, sorry, we shouldn't advertise anything here. But there's some chocolate, some lollies there that at least there's some nuts in and it's not so bad as the others. But I resist that and I say to the attendant, pump four, please, the diesel. And he says to me, you can get six cents off per liter if you take two of these. I said, yes, but does it look as though I need it? No, just just the fuel today. I've become conscious. I had to think about it. I've become conscious, competent. Now the question is: Is that where I want to stay? Well, it sounds no. like it sounds like it's it, it sounds like um, you know choosing in a position where you are choosing not to take the uh, the bad thing is definitely a position that you would want to stay. I, I want to be there, but I even want to take it even further. Oh, I, want I see to, what you're saying. I, yeah, want, yeah. I want to reach the fourth point, and that is where I become unconscious competent. In other words, it becomes second nature. Now, there's a science behind this, because every time that I intentionally and deliberately make a choice to make a change in my life, I actually built, slowly started to build a protein chain, which is called a new neuropathway. Uh, and every time I make a deliberate choice, it takes 66 days deliberately, intentionally making that decision towards change for that protein chain to be completed. A new neuropathway has been formed. The problem is, is that we stop right there focusing on that change and it slowly breaks down and we revert back to the old thinking patterns instead of taking another 33 days further. So we're talking about 99 days to complete a permanent new neural pathway, a new way of thinking and doing things. Yeah, I mean, this is really interesting. I know just sort of, okay, I'll, I'll speak for myself. So uh, my wife decided that she wanted to go on a very sugar-reduced um, lifestyle, and I'm not a big sugar eater, but I am the kind of person who likes a dessert at the end of the meal, you know, something sweet to finish mm. the meal off. And for the first month I found I would, you know, the meal would be over and I'd go and stare at the fridge hoping that something somewhere had been missed. <laughs> and surely there was some, some sugar to be found somewhere. Um <laughs> But I found after the first month that I stopped going to the fridge looking for it. And definitely after two months, I wasn't even thinking of it. Uh, By three months, you know, I'd be at the church fellowship lunch and didn't even want to take a a dessert. And right there is your steps uh, towards becoming uh, unconsciously competent about it where it becomes second nature. Uh, Not staring at the fridge anymore, you've become conscious but competent, still had to think about it. And while the, these are the simple things, the problem is that within a week or two weeks or three weeks, we normally have given up because we, we slip back, we've got those cravings. Um, this works in every aspect of our life, in terms of addictions, in terms of lifestyle changes, in terms of wanting to better our relationships. And we actually, as parents, have an opportunity to influence our kids. We live today in a society of immediate gratification. We we don't want to work towards an end goal, but that is what is so crucial for us in order to change 
uh, in life. And, you know, growing up in a certain environment, if I talk back again about epigenetics, if we grow up in a home where sugary food is regularly used, between 50 to 80% chance that I will crave that and will want to do it. But as I gain more information, I actually gain the power and the decision-making power to want to make that change. And I actually can make that change, not just for myself, but for the third and the fourth generation that follows me. So in other words, the change that you make in your eating uh, habits not only influence your children or your grandchildren, but even your great-grandchildren for the better. Yes, that's quite remarkable. We actually covered a story yesterday where it um, some research was showing that dads who had a uh, a better lifestyle during their wife's uh, partner's pregnancy actually had a lifetime effect on the health of the child. Um, and this is after the point of conception because of the influence that the dad had on the mother's diet. Exactly. And while... All of that has to do about the environmental changes that we're willing to, to make. And that switches on or off our expression of your gene coding. In other words, I'm not changing my genes, but the way that I utilize my genes is switched on or off. And, and the influence, and by the way, scripture knew about this all along. Science only discovered this, you know, a few decades ago. But uh, God knew about this design because in Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, God says that he will visit the iniquities of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation of those that hate him, but show mercy to thousands that love him and keep his commandments. Right there is the principles of epigenetics written in the word of God. Mm. And, and what what is interesting me is that when we look at epigenetics, that third and fourth generation, I mean, that's how far it goes down. I mean, we can we can study that scientifically now, and this is relatively new science. Exactly, exactly. I, I did some trials many years back, uh, about seventeen years ago. I worked in I better not say the city, but I proposed to the Attorney General's Department that we can actually bring about major change in criminals like young people that have actually grown up in a criminal environment and has duplicated that by just teaching them these principles and discovering remember that that text says that God will visit the iniquities of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation of those that hate him what would in actual fact happen if I can teach people that there's an eternal God that loves them and they are interested in their future so uh, we started with that program with a phenomenal change. In other words, epigenetics doesn't need to pin us down to the negatives. There are, in actual fact, neuroplasticity, the ability for our brain to build new neural pathways, new thinking patterns, and it is by supporting people through those stages of change towards a complete new lifestyle. And uh, the work that we've done was clearly evident of people that their trajectory was purely to go back into a criminal field, actually turned their life and completely became, you know, citizens that contributed to their society. Wow. Yes, and, and, and I, you know, I personally know some of those people that were, uh, that have been affected by that. David, um, just very quickly as we're, as we're finishing off here, you talk about um, rewiring the brain and creating new neuro pathways within the brain and you know sticking it out for a month two months three months and going through those different stages 
how valuable is, first of all, support from a community in that process? And I would suggest the best community that you're going to find is a church um, and also support that you're going to receive spiritually through prayer. I'm so glad you asked me this question. Uh, I had the privilege of studying under Professor Robert Grant, uh, who's a former specialist, and uh, he's not a Christian himself, but he made the statement, he said, that people that live with unresolved trauma, for instance, will live a life of either addictions or a life of mental disorder. And then in his class, he said one night, he said, but there's only one way that those people can be helped. Number one, they need Sorry, they need two anchors in their life. Number one, their first anchor is individual people around them, family or uh, people that they know that are supportive, that believe in them, that encourage them, and that are there not to condemn when they fall, but rather help them up when they fall. And so let's analyze, let's see what were the issues that had let you down. He says that creates the capacity to believe in the greater anchor that will bring about that permanent change. And he said there's only one individual that can be that great anchor. He says, and that is God. Mm-hmm. And that is why it is, it, it is near impossible for me to present on any topic of resilience or uh, addictions or so, working with those people without bringing God into the equation. We've got somebody that's texted through here. Uh, Monica, what have you got? Yeah, we've got a message personal um, just for you, David. It says, thank you, David, for all the valuable information you have shared on Faith FM and praying that the Lord will be close to you through your operation and bless you. That's from John L. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. David, before we we finish up, we're going to say a prayer for you here. Um, Father in heaven, we pray that you'll be with David in a special way. We thank you for the contribution that he's made. Um, and his faithfulness. We look forward to when he returns to uh, good health and returns to Faith FM Breakfast Show. We pray that as his surgery progresses and and takes place this Friday that you will give the uh, medical uh, practitioners skill and wisdom that they'll do an amazing job, that you'll bring healing to David full and complete and that you will give him freedom from pain and that above everything else that he will know that you are there close with him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. David, amen, God bless amen, you as you, uh, you as you uh, head head through the head into the surgery this Friday. We our prayers will be going with you, and we look forward to when you return to Faith FM. Thank you so much, Lyle. God bless you guys. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one eight hundred Faith FM.